All right, boys, just listen up for a sec. Can you hear that? Mm-hmm. How does that sound make you feel? Give me, give me some adjectives. It's nice. It's kind of like reassuring. Mm. Steady. That sounds like a very accurate kind of... I really like the sound of that mechanism. It's very precise, isn't it? Yeah. It also makes me feel like I, I should be somewhere that I'm not. Like I'm... <laughs> or something what have I forgotten? Kind of running late. Um, but it does sound very nice. I think all of that is very valid, boys. But let me tell you, this is the sound of a British-designed mechanical timepiece from the talented team at Marlow Watch Company, sponsors of this episode. And with Marlowe, each collection is influenced by a historical story of inspiring human endeavour. Now, I've spent some time at their HQ recently because, well, I'm curious about mechanical timekeeping and also how things work. And I can tell you that there is so much very pleasing attention to detail that goes into each and every watch design. Now, these guys are serious about their watches, and you can tell by looking at some of the watch reviews online. I mean, the words quality and value come up time and again. Visit MarlowWatchCompany.com to see for yourself. Marlow Watch Company, time well spent, which I also like to think could be said for this podcast. Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, how get 30, how get 20, 20, 20, how get 20, 20, how get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello, it's Rob here, and I've decided to come on at the beginning of this week's episode just to say that this one is a little longer, quite a bit longer actually, than um, most of our previous podcasts. Now, it's another quickfire round, and I think we just enjoyed luxuriating and uh, discussing it a bit more, um, all of the different sketches that we went through. So what I'm going to suggest is that if you do feel like you could do with a break halfway through or whatever, maybe treat it as a part one and part two. So maybe after listening to the Flotsam and Jetsam sketch discussion or the one on contronyms, maybe give it a break, part one done, and come back to it at a later date, part two. There you go. Just a suggestion. Here's the podcast. (laughs) 
Hello and welcome to Sketchplanations, the podcast. Now, in a move that's been described by the trusted podcast publication Get Your Ears Around This as possibly hasty, and by podcast gossip columnist Henry Headphones as a maverick manoeuvre, this week I've decided to dispense with the lengthy introduction and get straight on with the meat of this audible feast. A feast that not only provides you with your five a day, but also has the protein, carbohydrate and unsaturated fat content for a robust and nutritious listening lifestyle. It's all too easy to assume that simply balancing your audio intake with your audio output will help maintain a happy, healthy podcast listening. But when you dig into the science, there's so much more to it. It's not just about how much you put into your ears. It's the quality of the ingredients that also matters. And so before we tuck into this bombastic banquet, a toast to my wholesome podcast companions, John O'Hay and Tom Pellero. Good evening, gentlemen. I raise my microphone to you. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> Same to you, Robert. That's amazing. Uh, what's been going on since we last met? Uh, what were we talking about last week? We were talking about the cost of being late. Everyone was really on time today. <laughs> well, never, never again will I be late. It really sunk in. Because <laughs> I respect you guys. Respect your time. <laughs> <laughs> Tommy, did you, have you played cricket recently? Did you, have you played, had your cricket match? Like, I did, yeah. yeah. I had, had, was it this weekend? It just was gone? this weekend, just gone. Uh, and so. in tradition, I managed to run myself out trying to go for a highly um, optimistic uh, run on the second to last ball. Uh, and I got, I got a wicket with what was described as an even slower, slower ball. <laughs> and even slower Slowable, yeah um it was, it was good fun it's good fun and um Jono, did you have a i think i saw you had a swimming first this weekend did yeah quite enjoy the open water swimming as we have done rather a lot together and Indeed. uh yeah this weekend took our 11 year olds and did 500 meters in the lake for his first it's not his first open water but i guess it's his first well, um kind of significant length yeah we've like dipped around in the sea or whatever for for a bit but actually gone proper and it was a hot day it was absolutely lovely and he he nailed it yeah how cool really nice i like that enjoyed it i like that guys i like that no kind of exceptional sporting endeavors for me sadly yeah next week (laughs) next week next week there's always next week it's a fresh start tomorrow yeah i used a metaphor there in my introduction and um I wrote it and then I thought, I really like metaphors. And I've, I've liked them ever since I first learned what one was, probably like year seven or year eight English lessons. English I, I never metaphor I didn't like. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> now we're firing. <laughs> Sorry about that. <laughs> I, I really like them. I really like them. I really like using them, writing them. Uh, I like it when I hear them or notice them in like sports commentary. They pop up every now and then. Um, comedy articles you often kind of read them in um, newspaper or magazine articles I, I really enjoy a good metaphor well I, I actually studied metaphor as part of my design PhD did you and, uh, yeah looked at all sorts of interesting aspects because metaphors shape the way we think so I was interested in things like metaphors for ideas for example an interesting trait about actually it's interesting you talked about this banquet right um so ideas of food is a common metaphor and so you know a a big idea to 
absorb is you know i'm gonna i'm gonna have to chew on that for a bit yeah i need to take a bit of time to digest that idea whereas you know you could give like little little snacks like little little ones so ideas of food is one thing but actually there's a problem with like ideas of products ideas of all sorts of physical things but there's if i give you an idea i've still got the idea so like the whole the whole thing breaks down the way we talk about ideas anyway yeah metaphors really interesting wicked tell me what's your relationship with uh metaphors and linguistic devices well like yourself i'm very visual in my thinking um and I think it's quite easy to get trapped into certain metaphors. And sometimes it's kind of a an aspect, you know, like John said, you can't, sh- when you share an idea, you've still got an idea. So you need other metaphors and other framings. And I do remember reading your PhD thesis, um, John, on, on framing. It was, it was really fascinating. We absorbed quite a lot of that in into how we developed our ideas. Yeah. Boy, that's awesome. Yeah. 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 There you go. Interesting. Yeah, me- metaphor is really good for sketch relations as well. And so, I mean, you know, last, um, not long ago, we talked about front stage, backstage, right? It's, yeah. it's a metaphor for a way to understand yes. our behavior. And there's so many, you know, the accountability ladder is yeah. a way to understand it. Um, you have like, uh, what's it, Maslow's hierarchy. So you have all these abstract things and you put them in an order and all of a sudden it's clarifying, you know, that, I think clarifying is another example of knowing is seeing. Yes. Make it, making stuff clearer helps you know it better. It's fascinating stuff. Well, I, I think what I really, really enjoy, it's often comes up in comedy stand-up routines, is when the comedian uh, has purposefully taken that metaphor too far. Yeah. I really, really enjoy that. And they know what they're doing. I think you had people hovering by the accountability ladder not long ago as well. Yes. <laughs> yeah, Push, pushing exactly. people up and down it. Yeah, we did. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, we always did. fun to extend with the a, metaphor and mix them up as well. With a cherry picker on the side. Yeah, yeah that's it. Oh, all good fun. All good fun. Uh, well, listen, guys, um, I'm going to suggest that we get a shift on with the podcast in earnest because this week is another quick fire bumper pack episode and there's no time to lose. This week, we're going to cover as many of Jono's sketches as appropriate for an easy listening podcast related to words. We're talking vocabulary, definitions, maybe a bit of grammar. Now, I've not been able to find a way of getting the artwork for this episode to change continuously as we go through all the different words and sketches. Uh, So I'll pick one as the main event and then I'll make sure that I include links in the podcast description to all the other sketches in the order that we go through them. So you can just kind of click through and see what we're talking about um, as we go from one sketch to another. And I've certainly found in the past that um, visualising some of Jono's sketches really helps me learn stuff and cement that in my brain. Um, So uh, I would recommend using those links to bring up the sketches on the screens as we talk about them, if possible. Obviously, if you're driving, please don't. Uh, And finally, a reminder that we'll be going through your correspondence since the last episode at the very end of the podcast. Right then, um, Jono, do you want to kick us off with the the first sketch related to words generally that you've selected? We've each selected a few. Yeah, I'd be delighted to. Um, It's funny, isn't it? There's a lot of sketches about words, actually, which is a strange thing to draw. It was was great. It was lovely to have a good flick through them all. Yeah. Um, What are you going with? I'll start with a really easy one. It's it's one of my favourite ones. I actually have it up on the wall. It's called Kaffee Cock. Um, yeah, sorry, what? <laughs> yeah, I know. 
Kaffikok, which mm-hmm. is a word from the Sami people of northern Norway, Finland, or Sweden. And it means the distance you can go before you need a cup of coffee. Yeah. <laughs> which comes up a lot in uh, on weekends and when we pop out somewhere. In fact, because uh, it's up on the wall, uh, my kids will ask me, <laughs> like, how far have we gone now? Is it one cafe cock yet? <laughs> we need to go to the. We, we need to go to the cafe. And I'm like, yes, yeah, one cafe cock. Quite a long time ago. <laughs> yeah, maybe maybe three cafe cocks in into this, into this walk. And it is, uh, and it's specifically yeah. what I like of it is it specifically like you know it's like, you know it's fairly arbitrary, but is it a distance as opposed to a unit of time? It's a it's unit di- of distance. It's a distance. Yeah, yeah. that's nice. Yeah. Which you know. One one's cafe cock might be a different length than somebody else's cafe cock. Well, I guess depending and, and, on the day. And what's lovely about the um, the visualization of this, as I was just talking about in the sketch, it, 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 your sketch brings that to life, right? So you, it's and you talked about it there, John. Like you've left home, you're in the car, maybe I don't know, you, you're off on holiday or something, or you know, you, you maybe had a, a coffee with you, or maybe it's time if it's really early in the morning to just pull over at a service station and get yourself a coffee. Uh, yeah, I guess I guess the cafe gok in a car is quite a bit further, isn't it? Yeah. Um, yeah, the, the sketch has a, has a person in the the waist, a bit like Hoth, the planet Hoth or something, <laughs> in the snow, making a coffee and then moonwalking his way and then going, yeah. I think it's time for coffee again. <laughs> One cafe gok later. Yeah, to me, it looks yeah, one of my favourites. It looks like you're on the North Pole or something, and and the reality of for most of us, a cafe gok is just like down the high street. You know, it's like actually managed to get the kids out on a Saturday morning. So it must be time for another coffee. You've strolled 500 metres to yeah. get to the town centre sort of thing. I always like, was it one of the episodes of Peppa Pig? The, fa- the dad's favourite room in the museum is the coffee shop. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's pretty, pretty standard. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's basically what the National Trust is built on, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Cafe cock, it's a good word. I'm, I'm glad we've clarified this, actually, because I, when I first saw it, I thought it was about your first coffee, but it's not, is it? It's, it's before needing another a cup of coffee, whether that's your first or <laughs> the next one, whatever it might yeah. be. Does it, get, does it get longer after each coffee? It's just difficult to say. Yeah. D- different for everyone. Great. I love that. And um, the beauty of that, which I really love, is that it's, uh, as you said, from the Sami people from right up in the north of uh, Scandinavia. Scandinavia. Yeah. Yeah, lovely. Lovely. Thanks, Sean. Right, uh, well, let's move on as we're going to get through uh, a fair few of these, hopefully. Tommy, what have you got for your first book? <laughs> so I've got one that I actually only realised about three weeks ago when doing um, spelling with my kids. And it's about uh, div- the verb noun, advice versus advice. And the verb having an S and the noun having a C. And it wasn't actually until we were doing a load of spellings. So I was going down going, oh, hang on. I don't, I, I, what, uh, and it blew my mind. So, you know, device, device, you know, de- device, device. I'm going to really make a mess of this. Johnny, can you explain this one for us? But it's a really good one. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. Basically, any of these words like device, advise license practice in british english at any rate the verb has an s but the noun device advice license and practice has a c so you can sort of remember them that way so i mean for me it was always license yes and 
and and license. Yeah. It's actually a bit confusing because in the US they just use the S form for that, but in the UK you can license somebody and your driving license that you yep. get back has got a C in it. Just like I mean the easiest one to to remember is like advise and advice. You're like you those yep. are sort of driven in but actually it's a pattern generally across all of these types of words yeah i know it's the same i just wanted to clear that up for myself which is always the genesis of the sketch a little while ago <laughs> and and thank you for putting the little american flag next to the ones where it's used in both or not as you are yeah it confuses things otherwise but it's in british english at any rate it's quite consistent the verb is the s and the noun is the c so if you're ever yeah checking your kids spelling um, you can use that as a plan. Check yourself first. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You, know, you said something there, Johnny, which you've said a, a few times over the the past few weeks of podcasting, and that you you've made these. It's come up a few times where you've done a sketch to clarify it for yourself. That was your main driver for it. I like I like mm. that. Mm. I like that because it it reassures me. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I, I mean, I, yeah, often I, I love them. I like that. It's a bit like that. Um, I did a sketch not too long ago called Ask the Question at Talks, which is basically like if you're sat there at a talk and you don't know what something is that they're talking about, you should ask it because it probably means lots of other people are asking. So that's that's sort of my model I operate on is like if I don't really know whether it should be a license with an S or a C, there's probably a lot of other people who are in that situation. So I should go figure it out and explain it. So. There you go. Yeah. Is you, which one would you use, Tommy, there well, as your kind of anchor um, point? D- the, uh, a phone being a device with a C device. Is, is definitely yeah. one that, that really works for me and I can probably then almost work everything else out from there. I, rem- I remember seeing an example. Uh, um, James Bond was licensed with a license to kill. Ooh. And of course, the first one has got an S yeah. in the UK English and the second one's got a C, even though you say them exactly the same. He was licensed with a license to kill. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas in America, it would be both S's. It would. Oh, the poor it copywriter would. had to check that. I wonder how many debates <laughs> they had. <laughs> My next one, affect and effect, is potentially very All right, linked yeah. to advice and advise. No, the other way Go around. on, let's bring this up. There's Just, just so listeners know, there's, we're, we're flicking between a lot of screens at the moment as we bring up sketches each time. Uh, just so if you hear kind of clicking going on. <laughs> so affect and effect. Go on, Tommy. Which? <laughs> what do you want to say oh about Oh, my this? God. Which, first of all, I have never <laughs> in my life understood. And I'm now really focused on Jono's very excellent picture, possibly one of your earliest ones. It says 51. <laughs> so this would have been in your it's first, like, 12 early. months, wouldn't it? And yeah. if Jono explained, I'd, I'm going to make a mess of it. Yeah, yeah. you know what? I, I, this is... Uh, this is one where I like the sketch. It's super simple yes. and it works for me. However, I consider it, a, consider it a failed sketch because I have shared it with a number of people and they still struggle with it. So um, I've also seen somebody like wholesale copy this um, for some other article that they were doing. But anyway, the idea is it's a bit similar, as you say, Tom, affect is a verb so you affect something you you do um, it to someone else so this person you, is you do pushing it to something else so yeah. jono is pushing rob into the lake is what's happening on the left right and the effect of me pushing rob into the lake is that he fell in and there was a big splash and so that's what the two pictures are somebody pushing that's the affect and then somebody falling in is the effect so <laughs> 
and yet um yeah people struggle <laughs> people struggle with this one you know, it's really funny and we'll come on to it because we've got lots of things like this this is one because i do struggle with with some of these but this is one that i don't struggle with for some reason for some reason whenever i learned it it just kind of lodged itself nicely and neatly How do you remember like it? tetris 3d tetris you i don't, I don't really need to i just i just kind of know it's one of those things that you, I just kind of... Okay. Do you know what? I read, it's I read, just settled in nicely in the brain. I read today, if you need a way, Tom, this might help. There's somebody who says there's the, the um, acronym RAVEN oh. is remember affect is a verb, effect is a noun. Is that going to help you, Tommy? Well, I don't know. I'm not sure I was there in the English class about nouns and verbs, which I really struggle with with the kids. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I'm going to remember it as the person pushing is affecting and he's an asshole. So, there okay. okay, that's good. Okay, good. That and is good. The person good. who's been affected, who's in the water, who's pushing around, is an Egypt for being pushed in. Oh, come on. Right. I'm, I really, really want this to work for you, Tommy. Can we, can I randomly and. Yes. As a surprise, test you on that in a couple of weeks' time without yes. you knowing. <laughs> okay. And I want you to explain it why you know you've got it the right way around. Yeah? Have you got it's that locked in? Noun. I have to do some more English lessons on a noun. Oh, gosh, it's just <laughs> embarrassing, though. You, the, but then the, you can think of the sketch and the pushing and yes, the asshole and yeah, Egypt. I can do that. Good. Thank you. Yeah. Brilliant. <laughs> Excellent. Well just, done, mate. There's, a, just there's another couple there. It's just self help for Tommy, really, isn't it? It's the whole thing. <laughs> it was all designed for you. <laughs> Let's do a grammar. Yeah, episode, yeah. Oh, no. S- spelling. Sorry. <laughs> I've got foreign languages coming up in a couple of weeks, have we? Uh, French specifically. And we all know your opinion, your feelings about learning French. Oh. I was going to say the, the French. The French. French. No, <laughs> no, not at all. Rob, what have you got? Okay, so my first one. Thank you, Joe. Um, pleonasm. Mm, nice. Yeah, a pleonasm. I've never heard of this word. Uh, so a pleonasm is an overabundance of words. It's it's the use of redundant words in a sentence or in um, and and you you mentioned this here in your sketch, Johnny. Uh, often often used in phrases or, or idioms. Um, and there are quite a few different types of pleonasms because I started looking into it and it, it does get quite deep into grammar. So I, and I started to get a bit confused. So I, I've tried to bring it back up a level, but it is the, the kind of the use, maybe sometimes the re- a repetition of words with the same meaning in a, in a phrase or in a sentence. Or sometimes it's words that just aren't required to say what you want to say. There, there are just abundance just of words in there. Give some examples. Right? So Simple. an example. So the one, <laughs> the, the one example that comes to me that i hear quite a lot that annoys me is pre pre-prepare of oh, you have you pre-prepared for the meeting <laughs> what, <laughs> what it's not thing? prepared but on, <laughs> on your sketch and i love the sketch because you've you've managed to bring in these very common pleonasms uh john in, in into one scene which i really really love so um if you are listening uh, headlong and, and check out the pleonasm sketch so you've got uh, so another example is an unexpected surprise yeah um, or an exact replica, a personal friend, or a free gift. You don't need both of those words. It's an, it's an overabundance. Um, uh, there's another one that uh, I saw as an example is to kick it with your feet. <laughs> what else can you kick it with? Um, 
you, you sometimes hear people say, I, I myself think that the grass should be shorter or yeah. personally, I think that the sky is blue. You know what? Yeah. yeah. Um, and then this one was interesting. Tuna fish, tuna fish. Mm. You don't need the fish. Um, an added bonus, regular say, routine. You do need the tuna. There's loads. It's like, what? It's just not just fish. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But you don't need those. And then, and then there are some, so some that are um, established in phrases and idioms, as you mentioned, John, are things like terms and conditions. Um, another one's null and void. If something's null and void, you, you don't need both of that. And there are, braces, are, isn't it? there are also repetitions <laughs> in, in some abbreviations. Uh, so a pin number, oh, yeah. Yeah, 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 or an ATM machine, or finally an LCD display. Yeah, liquid crystal display. There's, display. there's so many that we use all the time. It's it's just common parlance, but it's just extra words. You don't need them. Yeah, I was just looking at some of the uh, some of the examples uh, in the description from the sketches. It's quite good ones. It's from George Carlin. This is good. Um, Your caption like, for this is excellent. It's worth uh, and, a read. And, you, and we do say these ones. So, uh, past history, my future plans, over exaggerating, new beginning, um, end result. I mean, just, just loads, isn't it? It seems to be past experience. Very popular in kind of speeches or in sort of political thing. Like, I'm immediately thinking of Boris Johnson in this respect. Like, he, he, would, he wouldn't be, he'd, pay, he'd have three things when he every single word he'd say he'd sort of triple embellish it almost just, just i can really, i can picture that i can definitely picture class. that yeah Seven um total yeah there, there's so many on there there's so mm-hmm. many but um yes if um always worth getting along having a little look, little look at the sketch but um yeah that that passage that you popped up there from uh was it comedian george carlin jono is excellent it's worth a read it's it, it really kind of hammers home the point that we're talking about so a a pleonasm there you go that was a new word for me thank you jono uh we're, we're gonna come let's let's circle around back to you cool all right so uh i do i do a, a really simple one and it's another really old one um and it's just a little point that i just really like so it's actually about amateur and professional and it's just, there's not really much in the sketch, but um, it was something I realized as I was reading um, a book by Clay Shirky, which is, I think, often that you think of the professionals as like the people who are the legitimate and really good at things. And amateur is sort of also means that you're not really mm. good at stuff. You, you're you know you're not as good as the professionals you're not as worthy of it as the professionals but what the point was that the amateur actually as a as a word yeah comes from the latin amare to love and in fact amateur is a lover and so amateur the root of the word is that somebody loves what they're doing mm. and and I really like it that actually an amateur is not somebody who's who's worse. You're actually doing it for the mm. love of it rather than for the ex the extrinsic reward, the pay of it. And so that was the you know, amateur is like you're you're driven by an in intrinsic reward, something that you get benefit from doing this activity, even if nobody's paying you and professional, you're doing it for the extrinsic reward and you might not do it if you, if that went away. And so actually I, re- I sort of reframed amateur to me instead of it being like worse than professional it's like just as good if not better in many ways i love it so i'm gonna pick it, up on that simple. yeah I, I really like that now 
you've explained that really well, Johnny. So now amateur, because sometimes I find it difficult to describe, well, not difficult, but sometimes I'll use words which I'm not that happy with um, when talking about things I like doing in my spare time. So what's that? Is that your hobby? Is it a pastime? So am I, am I a hobbyist? Am I, enth- am I an, uh, like a woodworking enthusiast? No, I'm, I'm a woodworking amateur. Yeah. yeah. I think that perfectly describes what I want to say about it. Yeah. Doing it for the love of it, for the for the sake of doing the activity itself. Yeah. Uh, and almost yeah. you could say you're a, you're a woodworking and more of it. You love it. You're yeah. a lover of it. Right. Absolutely. For me, amateur is like almost like derogatory. You'd say, oh, my God, what an amateur. Yeah. Oh, yeah. If someone makes a, a mess on the, uh, the first tee of a golf, like if we're out with someone and they... Sw- bank it into the woods you're like what an amateur you know it's it's a really unfair uh use of it and jolly this is lovely for the amour of it for the love of it much better yeah well you talk about golf i mean pro-am is professionals a pro-am tournament is professionals and amateurs playing together right um maybe that would have been an idea for the sketch let me see would that work probably not uh, <laughs> maybe it would, would be um, nice. it's tough for the amateurs though isn't it because you know for the professionals it's their day job Get to spend a lot more time doing it. Yeah, I, I like that. That's 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 really clarified. I mean, the thing, the danger is though, I start using it in the context of its true meaning, but it's uh, the way it's taken is in the context of how it's now yeah, been people, understood. Yeah, yes. People may not understand it that way. Yeah, however, we can bring it back. You can yeah. still feel good. You can yeah. use it for the amour of it. Well, let's start a campaign. To bring amateur back in its true sense now on this on this podcast. Um, nice one, Johnny. That's really lovely. Um, okay, Tommy, let's swing it back around to you. What you got? Uh, so the next one is a word that I cannot pronounce, uh, and the second word oh, is victory. Good. Victory, nearly as oh, costly yeah. as defeat. Johnny, what's a pyrrhic victory? Pyrrhic. Pyrrhic victory. Pyrrhic. So victory yep. that's nearly as costly. Well done, our victories, sir. If we are victorious in one but more battles, we shall be ruined. And it does feel a little bit like Ukraine has turned into a bit of a Pyrrhic victory, potentially, for almost all parties involved. And it does worry me a little bit in the fact that you've got the Russians, the Ukrainians, the Americans, the West. And I'm very, very concerned about a potential... Pyrrhic victory in Taiwan one day with the, you know, what's the sort of global movement. Mm. So it's a little bit front of mind, but it's, I think it's something you've got to be aware of in many circumstances. Sometimes you get into an argument and it becomes like a Pyrrhic victory. You might sort of, sort of maybe win the argument. I don't think there's any winners out of any argument really, but often it costs you a lot more to win an argument than it does to have even taken part. And in business, that can be kind of Pyrrhic victories as well so it's a really cool word where does it come from Johnny? yeah no it's, it's got it's got a nice story behind it i did i mean i knew i heard the term but um and this was a suggestion from somebody actually but it's actually from king pyrrhus of epirus back in 279 bc and he was a sort of elite general and he got called over to take on some battles and he had these elite troops and basically they won a bunch of battles but they lost so many people in the battles that he was wondered whether or not the whole thing was worth it. So that, that's, that goes with the story, apparently. He's like, if we're victorious one more time, we'll, rip, we'll be ruined. So you won, but actually the losses were so big as to be like, well, 
that wasn't really a win. Yeah, and I think I think a great example is is in in business. Like imagine you keep you keep lowering your prices, yeah. and mm. you win. Somebody else goes out of business, but actually, you now don't have a a proper business either. For example, so yeah, yeah lots lots of applications of of pyrrhic victories and definitely worth avoiding. Is it um, is it the same as um, cutting off your nose to spite your face? Is that is that it's yeah, it feels kind of like realm, that. isn't it? As an idiom, or maybe even a hollow victory because there's nothing inside yeah. that you've yeah. won. I guess for for King Pyrrhus, obviously, you didn't didn't mean to lose <laughs> so so many, rather than the cut off yes. your nose just by your face. Like yes, one of the examples I mentioned was was about you know you you finally forced the family to get out of the house and go somewhere, and everybody's in such a mood <laughs> that nobody's having a good time anymore and you're like well that was Pyrrhic. not really worth Pyrrhic it bit true. that's yeah. a nice uh, Decidedly user Pyrrhic. case yeah. love that and you <laughs> yell at kids to get them out to have fun and no one has any fun because you've yelled at them <laughs> right. good. we haven't fun, fun yet <laughs> I feel like we get a really lovely insight to your boys weekends here there's often there's often recurring themes about the challenge of getting everyone out we just did a house. beautiful open water swim yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> a pyrrhic victory again and the sketch on this one is an absolute stunner it's, it's very cool it's, it's fantastic beautiful. yeah it's one of those with a really excellent backdop as well yeah, which um gory battlefield yeah. yeah but you've used you've used <laughs> red sparingly but uh in a way that really makes your there's point there's even a dead elephant in it. the foreground oh yeah well, he might be having might a rest, be a rest. <laughs> might, yeah exactly <laughs> on top of the field oh, of there's definitely someone squashed <laughs> under <laughs> yeah, him yeah there is oh i've just noticed this guy there's this guy right at the bottom he, he thought he'd climbed up the rocks <laughs> to save him dump <laughs> in the back <laughs> it's <angry laughs> to just, to just keep on giving yeah well worth a look that sketch uh <laughs> listeners well worth a look okay i'm gonna move us on to um two words i think i, I own i've only ever heard them used um together uh flotsam and jetsam uh so here we're talking about um not the it just makes me think it's something like not not the jetsam yeah, it sort of sounds like some kind of 70s band doesn't it flotsam and jetsam <laughs> Would you say that's him? Morgan Mindy. I'd I'd heard the phrase quite a little bit, but there's um there's a cafe not too far from me called Flotsam and Jetsam, which which then when your sketch came out about it, John, I was like, yeah, yeah, okay, now I get it. So but, let me but, tell but, you the difference you, between Flotsam and Jetsam. Have you shared the sketch with them? It's not clear that everyone that they'll likely know the difference. With the with the cafe, yeah, good job. Yeah, could, should, they should pop it on all their mugs. Like, so thanks for that. What do you want? <laughs> so again, it's, this is this is a really lovely sketch because there's, there's quite a bit of colour in it, which um, really draws the eye. So it just it sets out the difference between these two words, flotsam and jetsam, from the marine, the world of being out at sea, right? So um, flotsam describes floating debris that's accidentally lost from a ship if it maybe lists on one side or if it's grounded or if it's it sinks or whatever so it's it's items or articles from that ship that then float off um accidentally because because of an accident um a bit of uh pleonism. <laughs> and um jetsam jetsam are items that have been deliberately jettisoned they've been deliberately thrown off of a ship or a vessel at sea 
maybe because they're sinking or maybe they need to help their weight distribution or something like that. So flotsam and jetsam, both bits and bobs floating around in the sea, which sometimes and often get recovered, but um, under very different circumstances, shall we say. And, and looking into this, uh, I read that since the 1300s, principles there there are principles that govern items and ownership and the recovery of items that are lost at sea um uh, and it's different between flotsam and jetsam flotsam if you find a bit of flotsam i.e something that's accidentally been lost from a ship if you find that washed up on on the beach legally the original owner still has a claim over that whereas jetsam if you find it that's yours you can keep that that's right isn't it Jonah? Yeah, that's that's right. They have they have a difference. I mean, I, yeah, I was just people just say flotsam and jetsam. It's just stuff that washed up, but actually, under law, they are different things. Basically, jetsam you can keep, and flotsam, if you find it and somebody else hears about it, it's actually still theirs. Well, yeah. I, so then I started reading into this a bit further. You can find it for safekeeping, right? Because it's right. floated up on and the beach. You can it. find it for safekeeping, but you're supposed to look after it and register it with the authorities as the fact that you've got this and that you're looking after it. Yeah. Um, if you are found to have flotsam, uh, then you can be fined a significant whack. Actually, you know, um, you know the book where um, was it where where the whales came hmm. about the ciliars. There's there's quite a little yeah. bit about flotsam and jetsam around that, and that when this is it's flotsam that happens there, and all this stuff gets washed up. But because there are islanders and you know the resources that they have are limited and and quite rare, I guess, sometimes, depending on what this, the flotsam is. Like the whole island comes out and they gather it all and it all just yeah. disappears really, really quickly. Yeah, um, yeah that's really fun. And there was, there, was the, um, there was a shipwreck, or at least it came aground, or at least big containers fell off of, it was the, it was called the Napoli. I'm trying to find it here in my notes. The MS, MSC Napoli, it was a ship off of a Dorset coast in 2007, January 2007. There were some containers fell off of it in rough seas in the channel and they floated ashore and those beaches were just being raided for a couple of days. And you, there were news footage. I don't know if you remember. I certainly remember it. News footage of people like wheeling brand new, uh, I think they were BMW motorbikes <laughs> up the beach. No and the great big barrels of wine and perfume and all this. Pampers. Yeah, there, was a, there were nappies. Great big, great big boxes and containers of nappies. People just going out. And helping themselves, but that was flotsam. So what was happening there wasn't legal, if indeed they kept it. Right, that BMW bike could have been reclaimed. It could have been reclaimed. So whoever yeah. took it off could have done it for safekeeping. Yeah, that's what they were doing. Could have registered it with the authorities. I'm sure. So, <laughs> Do you know, I'll I think I think one of those one of those bike. BMWs ended up as an art installation down on the on the beach. Um, like in a Perspex box or something like that. It was. I th- I'm not sure if it's still there, but it, it certainly did happen. Yes. Anyway, so that that was that's that's one there. Flotsam and jetsam. The difference of it, because I think it can also be used as a as a phrase for kind of bits and bobs. Yeah, it, it's bits and bobs. It should be called ax, axisom and jetsam, shouldn't it? Because it's accidental. Well, it's flotsam. They're both floating, <laughs> but one's accidental and one's jetsam. So I'll. Well, that that is true. That is the, the easy way uh, that I would remember it. Is it? Absisam. <laughs> so jet, jetsam, jet definitely comes from jettison. Yes. I love the way you know. Flotsam. <laughs> Jono talks about this in the sketch. Flotsam, flot um, comes from like flutter to float. So but they're both floating. Accidentally lost. Uh, 
Yeah, I know. So, so in which case, I would, I, my way would be jet some jettisoned, yeah. and then you work back yeah. from there. It's not that. Or it, it's not or that it hard. Flotted off the edge. Flotted. Yeah, just <laughs> flotted off the edge. I like him. Um, I put a little point about the rubber duck that's in the sketch. You did, yeah. Tell um, that story if you, do you well, remember it. Yeah, it's just it's it, there was a in, back in nineteen ninety two there was basically a ship that lost thousands upon thousands of rubber ducks, the bright yellow little ducks, in the middle of the Pacific Ocean, and over the of course they they do float around, and over the next twenty five years yeah. they basically revealed all of the ocean's currents and you know they were still washing up in incredible places 25 years later all over the world yeah cool. yeah, Just, yeah should brilliant. put a little um senses in there something brilliant well, there you go so that was my second one flotsam and jetsam um where are we johnny let's come back round to you how are we doing yeah i reckon i reckon we've got one more round each if uh you guys are good with that yeah for my next one i will go with contronym Mm. Contronym. I don't know if you ever heard of that, but a contronym is a really cool little word, and it's um, there's not that many of them. There's mm. probably about a hundred or so, and a contronym is a word that can be its own opposite, and they're quite hard. They're quite hard to recognise, even. So the example I have in the thing is somebody thinking, "Hmm, we're in a fix," and then somebody else is going to say, "Well, I'll fix it." And so there you've got fix, which both means a situation you're stuck in and the means of getting unstuck. And so <laughs> a contronym is literally a word that means completely the opposite thing. And so um, and, and I put I put in the description that I, I learned it. You should, you should all go read this article. It's a really good article called What Part of No Totally Don't You Understand? <laughs> and And the whole article is about how when somebody says no, totally... That actually means yes, and how on yeah. earth it came out in language that no totally means yes. Um, which you, have you linked to that article? You have, haven't you? I, there? I, yeah, yeah. yeah. If, you, if you follow the sketch, it's really good. And so that's where I learned about contronyms, because <laughs> um, no doesn't mean yes. But if you have like no totally or no exactly or something like that, then it does mean yes. But anyway, um, so I'll give you some other examples of of contronyms. So we have um, you can seed. So if you you can seed a field, which means putting the seeds out on a field, but you can also seed a grape, which means taking the seeds out of the grape. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, you can <laughs> alight from a horse and a butterfly can alight onto a flower. So you get off and you get on huh. with alighting. I didn't know that one about the second use of a light. Okay. Yeah. Um, you can clip something. So clipping can mean cutting something in two or it can mean you can use a clip to clip stuff together yeah you can dust so dust used to be a noun uh and a long time ago only and then at some point it also became a verb a thing that you do and so you can you can you can remove dust or you can or i can dust something with flour and it's like i'm either adding dust or i'm when i'm dusting i'm taking away dust yeah, um, and there's a few other ones. Um, the, the no totally for actually, for example, comes from there's, there were different reasons why words become contronyms, but um, no totally came from something called amelioration, which is where you um, you had a had a word and it sort of got a better sense to it, which you have with something even when you call something like um, 
I don't know, when Wicked was popular, or if you say, oh man, he's really bad, or that's that's Wicked, it meant a bad thing and it becomes to mean a good thing mm. over, over time. So anyway, yeah, I, I, I really like it. There's a bunch of other yeah. little uh, examples of contronyms, but a limited selection of words that can be their own opposites. Look out I wonder them. if this happens much in German. You know, we were having a chat on WhatsApp about German words and how there's so many more of them and they have so much more meaning, a lot of them. It just yeah. sort of, I wonder if that happens much in German because it feels like this is just a ridiculousness of English and our culture and how we just bafflingly use words. It's kind of a spongy language, yeah. isn't it? And you can stretch yeah. it and peel it and mould it how you like. I've said, I mean, yeah, it's, it's really confusing. If you say, like, dust the work surface, I mean, what do you want me to put do? Dust put, put, <laughs> yeah. put dust on it. Yeah, dust on it. Well, there's, there's yeah. one, yeah, so dust the work surface. I mean, literally, yeah, literally getting dust. When you when you are making you bread, do. You... they'll say dust dust your work surface with flour. <laughs> Sorry, that was what the one I was what I was trying to explain earlier. But exactly, yeah, yeah, you, you dust something with flour, or you dust it away. That's crazy. interesting that it used to only be a noun, and now it's a verb as well. Well, I learned that from Catherine Schultz's excellent oh, article. What part of NATO do you think? Google's another one, isn't it? So Google's become a verb now. To yeah. Google something. Verbing. Verbing is really good. As yeah. a really nice Calvin and Hobbes. You remember that one? Which, verbing weird's language. <laughs> verbing weird's language. Yeah. Who said that? Calvin, Calvin, say, Calvin and Hobbes. Yeah. Yeah. Smart guy. Uh, anyway. that's, that's a nice one. Uh, so that, that's contronyms. 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 And there are loads of other great sketches, by the way, as well, people about synonyms, contronyms. Uh, what, what others are there? Heteronyms, yeah. I just yeah. I just give a, if you, if we don't have time to cover them tonight, I really like um, heteronyms, and I actually did like a uh, a little two by two of words that are either written the same or or said the same or written the same and said different or written different but said the same. Yeah, and so the little two by two matrix. And, yeah, and and each one of them <laughs> has their own and names and contronyms is this this curious one that doesn't really fit in because they just mean the opposite. It's crazy. Yeah, yeah, nice. It's nice. Uh, great. Let's um, let's move it along, Tommy. Where are you taking us? NATO phonetic alphabet. Oh, yeah. Avoiding, yeah, avoiding okay. letter confusion. Uh, and I bring this up because my name is Pellero, uh, but basically every single time I'm trying to book anything on the phone, I go, you know, what's your name, sir? I'm Tom Pellero. And I don't even bother letting them say it. It's like, yeah, Papa, Echo, Lima, Lima, Alpha, Echo, Romeo, Echo, Alpha, Uniform like that and when my when I got married to Sarah uh, some of my, the other members of my family they drew it on a whiteboard for her because now she was a Pellero and this is because she was Sarah Forkus it's all very easy like actually most of the time I book a restaurant I say I'm Tom Bell ding-a-ling because it's just easier because yeah, <laughs> it's just a lot easier than, Get special uh, yeah. uh, um, but when I actually have to sp- Johnny do you remember when we were in was it Chile and we tried to book a flight on the phone you booked it for me in spanish and all the all mm. the vowels in my name we got there we picked up the ticket and it was the most bafflingly incredible spelling yeah. ever <laughs> sorry about that so yeah. do, you, do you know actually um i think spanish is where i really learned the sort of i don't know necessity of this because there's a lot of v's b's and p's sounds and 
it's so that they all sound the same. That was the example I gave in the sketches. You know, like imagine if your your code for your plane was YIVBT VBDT, like they all V's B's and P's. You just can't really tell what they are. Yeah, which I guess is why you need this. Are you are you fans of it? Do you like using it on the phone? Do you like when other people use it? I mean, I am not. Obviously, I'm not giving away my well, opinion. Well, your on name's that. Rob Bell, so it doesn't come up very often. But when yeah. you call, I don't like it. Like, I how else am I supposed to explain? Because quite often they say, so I go, yeah, Tom Pellero, and they go T O M. Okay, T E. I'm like, we're on the first letter. We can't even get the first letter. <laughs> P for Papa. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I am. I understand, yeah. yeah. I have to say, I can't really remember all the phonetic alphabet. This is another one where part of the reason for doing the sketch was for me to like sit down and learn it properly. Yeah. Oh yeah, and have you? Yeah. Um, I don't know. I'm a little. I'm a little bit. I tend to just make up yes. words. I can't remember the actual NATO phonetic alphabet. So oh, I sorry. Just, I don't. Um, I don't either. <laughs> I know what I know. The my name in phonetics you know your words, but also yeah. you end up just making some of them up sometimes uh and sometimes you make them up with ones that actually aren't very useful because some words are actually still quite difficult to yeah. distinguish between so i i'm not sure whether it's that there are two different phonetic alphabet well at least two this you've been very specific here john this is the nato phonetic alphabet mm-hmm. are there others because i know one difference between them is for the letter I, and it's indigo instead of India. Do you know? There there are lots, and there have been lots of different versions of them. And I I think I put, in doing the sketch, I read a little bit about it. And so they've they've done thousands of tests. Okay. And there are different variations, and different variations of different languages as well you know where they they fit better because these words you would naturally pronounce differently in in different sort of dialects so yeah i think there are lots of different versions but i am not an expert but this is the nato one which is gotcha um, in case you ever need it as a handy reference yeah good excellent excellent um i occasionally i use it for my postcode but only on the second half of the letters because the first half is obvious yeah i don't so I'll, I'll use it. I'll, I don't mind using it, but I'll use it sparingly. But Tommy, I totally understand where it's an issue that you would want to go straight in and just save it, just be efficient with your communication. The isn't funniest it? one is wherever I am and someone comes out, you know, you're in a waiting list, you're, you're, you're waiting at a hospital or something and someone comes out and you see them look at their clipboard and they go, Tom, put. And you're like, yep, it's me. Hi, Pellero. Yeah, you won't. Tom Bell. And I see it, Pat, and they sort of look questioningly at themselves. Yeah, that, hi, I'm here. It's me. I have to say, when people when people say them to me over the phone, they, they, you know, Echo, Mike, Victor, Tango, Juliet, Kilo, whatever, it takes me a little while to process it. It's a bit like processing a foreign language. Yeah. Like, okay, right. I'm playing it back in my head. What's the first letter of that word? Oh, it's K. Yeah. <laughs> So that efficiency's gone. You're like, oh. <laughs> no. you know, it's and I, practice. I hate to admit this, but yeah, when when it's when it's given to me over the phone, I switch off and just say, yeah, yeah, that's right, yeah. <laughs> that call centre job never went too well, really, did it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's that's 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 my issue. That's my issue. That's purely me just being, right. I don't know, resentful of having to think about something i don't want to what an idiot 
I will come a cropper. <laughs> Stop listening. Yeah, nice. And again, it's a lovely little sketch, isn't it? Um, all right. I'm in two minds. Uh, compl- compliment Stuff. and compliment. It's excellent. Yeah, should I do that yeah. one? Okay. I didn't even realise there were two. Yeah, <laughs> and I, I know that there are, but I I don't know which one's which. And uh, You do now. Yeah, I'll admit, I'll, I'll admit this. Well... I didn't. It's only because of preparing for this podcast. Because up to now, I've just gone. Oh, do you know what? I'll take a punt, and I don't even know which one I normally go with. I don't think I even have one that I normally go with. But now, because of doing the podcast and because of Johnny's sketch, I, I have got a means of doing it. And again, feel free in the next few weeks to test me on it. So it's the, yeah, it's the difference between compliment and compliment. One with an I, one with an E. One, uh, it means to speak favourably about something. If you compliment somebody on, as Jono has done in the sketch, their green T-shirt. That is a compliment with an I and compliment (laughs) with an E is where two things go together nicely. And in in the sketch, Jono has done a lovely glass of red wine and a block of cheese. Mm, Beautiful. (laughs) Don't they compliment each other well with an E? But the way I'm going to... The way I'm going to know the difference between these now is um, that to compliment somebody with an yes. "I" is you might you might say, "I like your eyes. You've got lovely eyes." I like your t-shirt. That's the compliment. No, 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 Tom. Eyes, eyes. <laughs> You've got lovely eyes, and that's the one with an "I" in it. I the letter. Yankee. Yeah. No, I, I get it, but similarly, like there, T H E I R is about someone, so it's got an I in it. So this is the same. I know, but this this is the way I'm okay. going to remember it. <laughs> yeah, you've got a lovely you've got a lovely green T-shirt. There's no green T-shirt in the middle of the word compliment, so I, I, I'd struggle with that. Um, eyes, green eyes. So you've got you've got a lovely eyes. You've got okay. We can make it green. <laughs> Gosh, that's the and I, I will remember that now because I've made uh, I've made a point to remember that I will remember that now. And go on. Somebody. So the one on the right, I actually thought it was about because you know suddenly we we get things complimentary. I thought that was a glass of wine with a complimentary bit of cheese. Well, now is that spelled with the e this... or is? Please say that's not a different one. So so you can use complimentary, complimentary, and complimentary are both words with an i and an e. Oh what. Right, yeah. so you need so, to so know you... you need to know which one is being said because ah. so let's say you bought let's say you bought um this this is an example I saw let's say you went to a tailor's and uh, you bought a suit jacket and they said oh there's this pocket square that's complimentary yes right yeah. now you could interpret that as being that's free cheers thanks mate I'll have that whereas <laughs> the, what the salesman was actually saying was this well this. Goes this with pocket it well. square will go really well with that jacket, yeah, with an E. Did you walk off with a pocket square? Sorry, with an... With an... <laughs> oh, sorry, I with thought an, with an e. it was complimentary. <laughs> yeah, ex- exactly. <laughs> keep walking out of shops and buzzing me. Yeah. So you need to understand the difference, although you don't, because... Oh, well, no, you do. What? Only if it's written down would you see it. Hmm. Yeah, there you go. Is, is that cleared everything up for everyone? <laughs> <laughs> it has for me yeah. with compliment and yes. compliment I know where I am Let's with that. Have... complimentary if, it, if something was complimentary I'm going to ask a secondary question yeah. in order Before to clarify I, I think walk out of the shop with it yeah, or... yeah. Um, but thanks for that John because that is going to stick 
that's going to stick with me. I mean, we did have a few others, but um, I'm going to call it a day. You know, we've run up a bit of time there. Any favourites, any that that have going to kind of change the way you think about things or change the way you, you've learned things? Do you know, we didn't do my favourites. Oh, come on. Yeah. Now you say, waiting for we're an hour in. Go on. Come on, Johnny. <laughs> no, no, you... no, we won't do them. Every... We can look them up. Another one, Sundoku is, is probably my favourite. And Less and Fewer oh. is the one that really I was grappling with for years. Come on, let's let's spend a bit out. of time. Let's tell you, tell you what you're going to do. I'll probably see how, see how we go with the edit. But let's get these down because we're prepared. And maybe these ones or others that we did earlier pop up in a... An extra bonus, mm, pleonasm, an extra bonus episode <laughs> later on in the series. Maybe I'll do some unseen a free bits, extra some bonus. unheard bits, yeah. some free gift extra bonus bits. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Come on, John, let's, let's, um, let, let's do, which one do you want to go with? Do, do less and fewer. Yeah, so we've done, we've done a lot of this or that, so I think yeah. effect and effect are like probably the most common. The second most common one people run into um, and I was, I got this wrong for years and years and years and years, is less and f- fewer. Yeah. And when to use less and when to use fewer. And so the typical thing is that we tend to use less when we ought to be using fewer. And so yes. when should you use the two of these things? So there's basically two rules. So, and I, and I think sugars is quite a good one. So, uh, you use less when things are measured by mass. Like you can't really count them. It's just bits. So there's less sand. There's there's less sugar. There's uh, less, less water. pieces of grass, whatever. But when it's countable, like sugar cubes, you don't say less sugar cubes. You say fewer sugar cubes. People. Make sense? Fewer yeah. people. So with few, fewer people rather than less people. So that's a, yeah, unless really there's thousands of people, on. would it then be less? If there's a big crowd. No. It's still count. It's still countable. But yeah, I don't know. Yeah, maybe you get big enough. You you do that. The other one is, and you have some examples where, um, when you have nouns that don't go plural. So furniture is one where you'd you'd say less furniture. Yeah, but chairs versus chair. You yeah. say fewer chairs yeah. rather than less chairs. Oh, hang yeah. on. It was all quite simple until yeah. he said furniture. Yeah. Got into the plural. So you, you don't say furnitures is basically okay. it. So, yeah. so that one doesn't go plural. So that's, that's a word where you keep saying the less. Yeah. But anyway, I, th- those, those, are, those are less common um, as, than the mass ones. So I, I think you, I could come up with those more often. So think about think about that if it's measured by mass there's just stuff of it then go with the less but if you can count them yeah go with fewer okay. so there are fewer things on the desk they're not less things on the desk there are f- there are fewer objects because i can count all these objects yes okay that's really yeah. handy thank you and you'd never say fewer less... common sorry less common fewer common you really flummoxed. It was just silence and puzzled faces. It's Tommy, it's Tommy why lost. Why would it. you say? Why? Why couldn't you say? Few, is it because common is un is measured by Matt? What? I think it's just different. Yeah, maybe a different context. Sh- the sugar one. You're right. The sugar one is good because there's there's less sugar there, 
Oh, there are fewer grains of sugar. <laughs> you, you could say that. If there's yeah, a countable yeah, yeah. number of it. grains yeah. visible. Yeah. I, I really picked up on this only about a year ago because um, somebody left me a, a slightly snarky comment uh, on some stuff that I posted on social media where I'd used the wrong one. And I berated myself for that. And, oh, you're absolutely yeah. right. I fell into the trap. And, and I, I can't remember what it was, but I, I'm pretty sure I used less instead of fewer, which is probably the yeah, common. That's, that, that's, that's, that's what a lot of people do all the time. So since then, I've been really hot on this. And again, it's, ju- it's just one of those. And th- there aren't many, but it's just one of those that has found a way to slot into my brain. And I just I feel like I don't have to think about it too much, which I enjoy. But once once now that I'm conscious of it, I hear it all the time. So... Um, what about votes? So if so, an MP might get actually yep. they should get fewer votes than they're expected rather than Absolutely. less votes because yes. it is countable. But I feel yes. like it's more common for someone to say, "Got." Technically, it's not correct. Yeah, it should be fewer votes. Yeah, so exactly. if someone lost a by-election by a number of votes, they wouldn't say, "I." You know, I had less votes than them. I had fewer votes than them. You had fewer votes. Yeah, exactly. And you did, in fact, count them yes. in order to find out. But what I, they did have was less of the popular vote. Yes. Because it's not... Or yeah. is it counted? The popular yeah, vote isn't certainly didn't have fewer of the popular vote. No. <laughs> yeah. A link to um, in the in the description, this. I think it's, I thought it was really funny about the, this, this play on the peasants' re- revolt, and it's called the peasants are revolting. Yes. <laughs> Baron on horseback saying, yeah. "I expected there to be less of you." Like, you are. <laughs> yeah, that's really good. With time, so that, that sticks with it me. It feels like with time, mm. I talk about having less time than I expected. Yeah, but time is yeah. measurable. Fewer hours, hours are measurable. Uh, okay. Time is a continuum, right? Ah, fewer. Yeah, you don't have fewer time. Because yeah. it's not. You can't count it. In a, in a, you... you can't count time. You can count hours as a measure of time. I, uh... I mean, I guess, I guess it's what I, what's lovely about this. I find it really interesting to get into the nitty gritty of, of the language. <laughs> yes. Does it really matter if people understand what you mean and are very clear about what you mean? Probably not. No. You, but, um, it, but it's, it's interesting. It's nice to know how it, should be so to speak yeah should slash could be oh, yeah exactly enough like people 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 can use them however they want like i don't mind at all but for me i was trying to figure this out and it goes like, oh yeah because i could never i could never understand when people would correct me on it why is he why is that one fewer <laughs> and so I, so I had to go figure it out and uh, do a sketch of it so there it is it is and it's lovely again it is a it's a it's another <laughs> lovely sketch it's a lovely sketch um all right i'll, I'll do the um, Sundoku, because I had I had picked that one out as a <laughs> an optional fourth one to do. So um, ah. Sundoku, Sundoku, um, a Japanese word meaning the act of acquiring books and letting them pile up without reading them. And I, I like the fact that it's quite specific about not just acquiring books that you don't read. It's acquiring books and letting them pile up without reading them. And I'm definitely guilty of this mm. because I'd, I'm not actually a big reader, but I really love the idea of being a reader. And so I'll buy <laughs> yeah. a book that I think 
I'm going to be really interested in and, and, and I know I would be I just don't make the time to read them so they're there and my intent is still fully to read all of these books but I have I have various piles of uh, of books around the house I'm, I'm surrounded by um, many books I have read but many books I haven't mm. but it's, it's just it's just sort of joyful acquiring books and the potential of yeah. reading them I, you know what this is I think one of the the words or the sketches that people relate to most it still still think? keeps coming up people keep finding this one it's way deep down in the archive but Sundoku. people keep finding it yeah because so many people can relate to the, the stacks of books next to your bed or, or next to your desk yeah. there's a whole industry that relies on it yeah yeah well if, yeah <laughs> but the funny thing is it's, it still it feels good it doesn't it doesn't necessarily feel like a, a bad thing to have all these books it's, hey. so that's why the person is sat in the on the bed with a Smart. He's quite happy about. Yeah, he is. He's quite happy yeah. about. He, he looks quite peaceful there, actually. Yeah. Maybe surrounded if you're surrounded by like it, just absorb it. Yeah. Osmosis. I used yeah, to do a huge amount that. of this, and I'd buy them, and I'd have them sitting around. Um, but since Audible subscription, I don't. I don't really mm. buy books anymore. I just always listen to them, and I'm quite good at getting through them when I'm listening to them, because you can listen yes. to them really quickly. You can listen at double speed or sort of at least one and a half speed and you can get through books pretty quickly like that i love it uh, well i i i think what draws me most to this is is the word itself sundoku mm. it's it's, it's nice to say it's a soft word to say yeah i love it you mentioned there about um where your inspiration not where your inspiration but where you probably first saw this johnny well or, it's, i mean your first memories of it let's say the sketch is loosely based on my parents bedroom <laughs> yes <laughs> Piles of books all over the place. Not loosely, I, I was, you know, which is a great. It was, it was yeah, written about I mean, them, kind of just having been like to your house. <laughs> it's <laughs> it not even the start. I'm surprised they didn't make it up. You're... I remember the first time I went to your house, and it was it was books all on every stair up, yes. up the flight of stairs <laughs> to the first floor. <laughs> there was a pile of books on every stair. Yeah. But, oh. wow. but your dad was really philosophical about it, wasn't it? Because he was like, he sort of had worked out how many books he reckoned he could read in his life. And was okay. like, therefore, like he really, really valued books that would allow, he'd allow into his life in terms of he'd like read a couple of pages and then decided whether or not it just wasn't worth that level of investment. What can you remember the details of it, Charlie? Yeah, I mean, there's a sketch on it. It's three thousand five hundred. Unless it's a bit more than that. I think lifetime reads. It's basically how many lifetime reads you have. So basically, you know, the idea is if you can read fifty books a year which is reading a lot a book a week a book a week which is yeah. which is which is a lot right um you actually have a limited number of books yeah so 3500 lifetime reads if you if you read like 50 books a year for um 70 years and our local bookstore has about 30,000 books so like in some ways you got to be a little bit selective <laughs> you know yeah. <laughs> And that's if you're reading yeah, 50 really, books a year. Yeah. I don't know anyone who reads 50 books a year. No, just my dad. Yeah. Very smart guy. Such an untapped resource. <laughs> Come on. Come on, Rob. Hang up this podcast and go read those books next to you. <laughs> All right. Oh, well. <laughs> well, that was pleasant, wasn't it? That's nice. Lots, well done, guys. Is there a, yeah, so I was going to ask as a kind of round off to this. Uh, do you know, oh, like, yeah. um, do you have favourites? Do I have what, I don't. I don't. I, don't, I feel no, dirty no, asking you that. I can't have favourite sketches. Favourite sketches. Yeah, I, I don't want to ask they you. Get, don't answer that. I jealous. don't want to know. I don't want to know. But and and you you've. I'm assuming you've probably 
you probably know all this stuff now because you spent a decent amount of time on every single one of these. I tell you doing what, if you sketch, want to learn the all of these things, write a weekly newsletter for ten years and you'll yeah. them all. Yeah, <laughs> and they'll never leave you. There you go. Yeah. Um, brilliant, lovely. Well done, chaps. Yeah, we've managed to get through a good a good chunk. Um, but we'd also love to hear from you, our our, our listeners. Uh, about which of those word-related sketches from the podcast that that you'll likely remember most. I mean, you might even be thinking about trying to use some words differently because of the sketches as well, or or things that you're going to really try and remember. Um, let us know, Tommy. Email address: hello at sketchplanations.com. Thank you. Or you can uh, leave us your comments or send us messages on social media. Well, I don't know about you guys, but I am stuffed. It's time to bring this glossary gala to a close. The wine of words has all been drunk. There's nothing but sinew left on the encyclopedic carcass of jargon and that tablecloth's really going to need a hot wash. We're going to step outside quickly for a breath of fresh air, but we'll be back in a sec for a coffee and one of those tiny chocolates. We're back. I say we're back, it's just me, Rob. As uh, Jono and Tom aren't around to record the listener comments section this week and it's my fault because i forgot to uh schedule a time in because we're we're not actually recording an episode this week anyway you don't need to know all of that now i referenced in the podcast that um i might edit out some of the sketches just to save on time in the end i didn't do that because i couldn't choose which ones to to leave out to, to leave on the cutting room floor so all 12 sketches that we went through are in there the consequence of that is that it is a very long podcast. So I'm going to try and keep this comment section as short as I possibly can. That said, we've got more comments to go through this week than any other week before. So this is a kind of quick fire comment section. Um, let me find them. Um, what's lovely is that having this is our wow, what is this our 14th episode. So what's lovely now is that we're getting comments in each week that don't always just refer to the previous week's episode um sometimes they're from episodes uh, weeks and weeks ago so that's lovely and the first two that i'm gonna talk about in fact the first three i think i'm gonna talk about here now um are ones from our first quickfire round when we went through a, a bunch of different sketches sketches that we'd found surprising so we've had an email from doug who says you talked about night vision in the quickfire round podcast I believe that this night vision tip is why pirates wear eye patches. So when they boarded a ship, they're able to raid below deck without having to wait for their eyes to adjust. They just flip the patch from one eye to the other. Simples. Might not be true, but makes sense. Brilliant. Doug, thanks so much for that. What a lovely, um, a lovely little contemplation on the past. I mean, it certainly makes sense from a technical perspective. As you say, whether that is true or not, I don't really care. It makes for a great story. Um, thanks for that, Doug. Uh, another email about the dark. Um, yes, yeah, so along the similar lines. This was the sketch of kind of keeping one eye open when you need a wee in the middle of the night. Uh, so Dan emails and says, in the podcast, you briefly mention the restaurant that's in the dark. Oh, this might have been the um, cross-modal perception, actually. I'm not sure. Uh, so Dan says he went to one in Berlin and it made him think of one thing that we didn't mention specifically although not strictly speaking cross-modal perception there it is that's what he's referring to that of heightened senses when one is taken away so in the dark restaurant clearly it is sight that's taken away 
What struck me was my hearing. Once I sort of got used to not seeing, my hearing literally turned superhero and seemed to get even better over time. I could hear people talking from pretty much every table in the restaurant. And when I say talking, I mean hearing every word. It was quite remarkable. <laughs> uh, he goes on to say, uh, he's not sure where that fits in with what we were discussing, but it did bring back some of those memories, as well as that of the waiter that made him pour the wine for everyone, even though he had no idea when to stop pouring. <laughs> Uh, and Dan goes on to say, the other fun fact is that all the waiters are actually blind or partially sighted and that they have to lead you to the toilet whenever you need to go. Brilliant. I've, I know there's one in London. Um, it's called Don Lenoir. At least it used to be. Uh, there used to be one in London. I don't know if it's still there. But I would be really, really interested to, to pop along to one of these restaurants and see what it's like. I mean, pouring the wine without knowing when to start. That's crazy, isn't it? Surely going to make a right mess. Um, but yeah, the super, the superhuman, the superhero uh, powers of being able to hear crystal clear right across a busy room. Very interesting. Um, we've had a message from Sarah on Instagram. Now, this refers, this one does refer back to the quickfire round and the to wit to woo sketch about owls. So Sarah had sent. Sarah sent us a poster at Picton Castle and Gardens, which says, Not all owls hoot. Some owls do not hoot at all. And most make a variety of other sounds, such as screeches, whistles, barks, growls and hisses. There you go. Um, a bit of educational literature up uh, at Picton Castle and Gardens. Thank you for sending that, Sarah. It confirms everything that Jono put out in his sketch. Um... I think this is again back to cross-modal perception. Rebecca on Facebook left us a message to say, I too order tomato juice on planes and very rarely order it anywhere else. Aren't humans utter paradoxes? Both incredibly complex and yet also so simple. Uh, yeah, I think Jono, that was an addition that Jono was talking about last week about tomato juice. I've been thinking about it ever since. I haven't had one because I haven't had a flight anywhere. But... Um, I'm really tempted now. I'd really like a tomato juice this evening. Uh, and maybe I should put some static noise on to enjoy it even more. All right, now we're heading back to last week's episode uh, on the cost of being late. So Niall emails in to say, Hello, lads. One from Steve Jobs, encouraging the OS team to reduce the boot up time. If it could save a person's life, would you find a way to shave 10 seconds off the boot time? he asked. Kenyon allowed that he probably could. Jobs went to a whiteboard and showed that if there were 5 million people using the Mac and it took 10 seconds extra to turn it on every day, that added up to 300 million or so hours per year that people would save, which was the equivalent of at least 100 lifetimes saved per year. <laughs> That's very, very good. Um, uh, Nile goes on to say it puts another face to the cumulative impact of, of being late or saving time, as it is in this case. Brilliant, brilliant. Steve Jobs, such uh, such a wise man, just such a really good communicator as well. Um, yeah, that's good. And finally, on Instagram, I've had a message from Peter saying, <laughs> Oh dear. Uh, so Pete says, 
My wife's timekeeping is abysmal, so I'll often tell her we're meeting people half an hour before we actually are so that we can arrive on time. Lovely. Thank you for that, Peter. And um, I hope your wife isn't listening, else she might have been rumbled. There we go. That's it for this week. Um, please do keep all your messages and comments uh, and emails or whatever coming on in. We really, really appreciate it. And they're great to read through. And um, hopefully we'll have a bit more time and the boys will be here next week just to uh, enjoy them a little bit more. But thanks again and cheerio for now. Bye-bye. Music on this podcast series is sourced from the very talented Frank Cinelli. And you can find loads more tracks at frankcinelli.com.